Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. I'm Patrick Doherty, joined today by Mr. Craig Dennis Carter at PDCarter13 on Twitter. His your name identity is not confusing at all, Denny. No, and I, I have I have six different names that I go by. Uh, I, I was called different things in high school and college, and then as a professional, so it's it's not confusing. You're right. You're just be picking up aliases as you go as you age. I'm sure too. And. Today, we're going to be taking a spin through the NFL's post-trade landscape, checking in on the depleted Patriots, the improved Colts, the fortified Dolphins, the Chiefs, who are both depleted and improved, question mark. <laughs> uh, we'll also check in on some of the lower-key free agent winners from Denny's recent article, one of whom may be no longer a winner after some developments Tuesday morning as a tease for later in the podcast. But one team I didn't mention there, Denny, was the Carolina Panthers, who I don't know if we've ever seen a team down quite this bad at quarterback where they whiffed on every big trade acquisition. Uh, they have Sam Darnold they're talking up as a starter. They have a college prospect who literally blew them off. Yeah. Didn't want to have dinner with them. Uh, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. You pronounce that Corral, right, by the way? I just had to panic. Like, am I saying his name right? I, I think that's um, right. But, yeah, yeah, Matt Corral, who, you know, would, would would presumably be up for meeting with NFL teams who would maybe draft him and give him a starting job as a rookie. And uh, But the Panthers, he said, no, I, I'm booked. I'm sorry. He had a thing. <laughs> he was going to – I mean, he's a real dad. He was going to the 50th anniversary re-release of The Godfather, something I did a few weeks ago. Oh, so man. I was actually with Matt Corral is why he blew off. He oh. couldn't break our friend date um, for The Godfather. But, yeah, I mean, wow. If you you seriously are a team where you have like yeah. a top 10 pick and the top quarterback doesn't even want to meet with you? I mean, my yeah. God. Well, well Corral, uh, Corral's not the top quarterback, right? No, he's in the mix, though. He actually apparently like no one can decide this year, right? Um, yeah, I mean, he's the top, top big, pro- big prospect gurus. Yeah, I'm it, it makes you and I wonder. only care about Malik Willis, <laughs> right? The only yeah, one I know. I, about. It's the only college player mm-hmm. I know. It, it, it makes you wonder if uh, a, a player, a quarterback drafted in the in the first round by the Panthers is going to want to play for them, you know? Is it, I mean, like, are we going to have an Eli situation here where he's going to say, no, thanks, I'm good, I'll uh. I'll wait it out. And that'd be pretty unusual at number eight. Usually that's a power play. You make it number one, or excuse me, the Panthers are number six. Like quite the power play to make if you're like the team is number six. And yeah, our producer Adam reminds us, by the way, 
Matt Corral is actually Chris Sims' top-ranked quarterback in this class. All right. I knew he was in the mix for a lot of people. Chris Sims, highly respected versus quarterback evaluation. Even though Chris, his quarterback evals are, is like one of the, like every year, like Chris gets hammered for like not liking or yeah. like really loving some guy. And he's usually always right. So if you think our friend Chris is wrong on one this year, he'll probably just end up being right. So remember that. So he's Chris Sims is top ranked quarterback and he doesn't want to meet with the Carolina Panthers, which is just, yeah. I, I, something clearly his word is out about something with the Panthers. Yeah. We have professionals and amateurs alike who do not want to. Well, play it's them. look, it's a, it's, it's a lame duck coach. And I think everybody knows that like he's uh Matt rule almost has no Avenue toward keeping his job for 2023. Right. I mean, it, it, it would be, honestly, it would be an upset if he, if Matt rule can be the head coach through, through the 2022 season, you know, I, I think you have to expect some sort of change from David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, who is, uh, you know, a very uh, impatient apparently, and, and and b just thirsty as hell to win. You know, I mean, just just really, really thirsty, and and uh, he's not going to put up with this much longer. Even though both both Matt Rule and David Tepper were short order cooks, which is why, of course, he he hired Matt Rule in the first place. Um, anyway, uh, it, it's a it's a disaster. And if you look at uh, Matt Rule's uh attire at the owners meeting this yeah. week you, little, you might sloppy you might ask you know if if uh that really exudes professionalism he 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 looked um he looked like maybe he had just woken up and rolled out of bed and thrown on a shirt and some pants and and we, we, others sean mcveigh and others look like uh you know models macy's models yeah and i'm not claiming i iron my pants but matt rule could have those pants were Pretty. I mean, I've never seen so many wrinkles in a pair of pants in my life as Matt as Matt Rule had <laughs> in his coaching I mean, photograph, team on, photo, man. or whatever. Like, I, I get, I get like the working man, every man appeal. Like, I, I, I get that. But I think first you have to be good, and then you can be like, hey, I'm just a dude. I'm just a guy. I, I have wrinkles in my pants, but I win. But you, you, you have to win first. Yeah, you need to win five or six Super Bowls to wear cut off hoodies. Yes, uh, with right. holes in them. Like Bill Belichick, right? It looks like if Belichick, you would you would give him a dollar if you passed him on the street, and <laughs> and, uh, and you know you have, but you have to be good first. I've noticed Belichick did never has wrinkled pants though. I will say that even Belichick's like, dear my God, man, <laughs> like, you can't have the pants just like falling off your legs. Uh, what's this all about, young man? Yeah, and by the way, so. I would say David Tepper might also be a bit of a salesman like Matt Rule because. Matt Rule, you know, got the job by billing himself as Mr. Analytics when he was clearly anything but. Whereas David David Tepper keeps like billing himself as like, I want to win right now. Like, I, I'm tired of this. And yet he just doesn't fire Matt Rule and like lets him fire Joe Brady. Yeah. And so I think maybe there's a bit of a salesman job going on with uh, David Tepper too. I, I think it's right. I think it's salesman versus salesman. And I think, I think both of them are very good at that. It's so funny. It's so funny that Matt Rule came in as the analytics guy who and I remember there was a huge red flag where he was like quoted extensively as the coach. He was coach at Baylor. Is that right? He was. And before and, that, and, Temple. And he he's so addicted and, to signing players who went to Temple. It's unbelievable. Yes, right. And and that and there was an athletic piece that quoted anonymous people in the locker room saying Matt Rule favors guys from Temple. And like the like like we can't wait. We we can't get a fair shot for like agent said. Oh, you can't get a fair shot for my guy because he's not from Temple, which really really raises some some red flags. I think. Well, I mean, if you're at least favoring a school, you know, it's in the SEC with the storied football history like Temple. When um, you when you think of dominant programs, you think of Temple. 
Yeah, and I will say you said there was no way for Matt Rule to save his job. I mean, if they improve Sam Darnold's arm strength, his pocket presence, his decision making, his durability, uh, they improve all those things with Sam Darnold. I think they've got a good shot. Uh, yeah, I they think make Sam Darnold a completely different human and quarterback. I think Matt Rule could save his job. I mean, I, I do, I do think that the the most alarming aspect of their quarterback situation is that there's still chatter about Cam Newton possibly rejoining the team after Cam Newton was, besides Mike Glennon, the worst quarterback in the NFL last season. I thought you were going to say besides Sam Darnold and besides PJ Walker. No, no, PJ Walker and Sam Darnold were markedly better than Cam. They Newton. were, man. Which poor Cam? Yeah, Cam needs to give it up just because. Like it's just it's rare to see like the physical ability go like that like thoroughly, but his arm yeah. his arm is just shot. His shoulder got just jacked up. Yeah, his I, arm I, is I, shot. I know we're a little far afield here, but I, I do think there is a, a a room or a spot on for Cam Newton on a contending team, which he you know he said he he's not playing for some five win team, which would presumably eliminate Carolina. You know, he could be a short yardage and goal line guy for for a good team. So just as long as he doesn't have to throw. And I don't mean that in a in a funny way. Like his shoulder is not not right. Yeah. And Cam is like the only player who's ever been good, like in that role, basically. Like teams are always yeah. trying to like like there was a year where I can't remember, was it the Dolphins? Like tried to make Jacoby Brissett. Oh, yeah, I think it was the Colts one year. Tried to make <laughs> yeah. Jacoby Brissett like a goal line specialist and it just didn't go well. He, like, he would just get walloped at the two walloped. yard line. <laughs> and like Taysom Hill basically never panned out in that role. Whereas like Cam Newton, even when he was bad for the Patriots, even when he was bad for the Panthers, like if they got inside the 10 yard line, he's like automatically scored a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, no, so, for real. Like, yeah. you know, it would be for, for fantasy purposes, it would be a nightmare for whoever he signs with. Like it would be really difficult to judge like if the running back's going to get any opportunity near the goal line or whatever. But from a real football standpoint, you could do way worse than signing Cam Newton. So we just spent nine minutes talking about the Panthers quarterback situation, which means that we're now going to talk about Ronald Jones. <laughs> the, what you lead a show with is the Panthers quarterback situation. Ronald Jones. Uh -huh. The Chiefs have indeed signed the ex Bruce Arians punching bag to a one year deal worth up to quote unquote $5 million. Andy Reid has claimed he could be a big part of the offense, which sounds like coach speak, but also like on paper, Ronald Jones and Clyde Edwards-Elair are pretty good compliments with Ronald Jones being like a pure early down banger, a guy who just cannot catch passes without immediately turning it in to like a fumble or an interception, or a CH who has not proven himself as a pass catcher either, but has not proven himself in early downs. Profiles is a very good third down back. Do you actually buy in? to Ronald Jones potentially having a do first off will you even make the yeah. team and then do we buy into him having a big role with the Chiefs? I think it would it would be quite the upset if Rojo does not make the the roster. Uh you know I know he's a he's like a, a punchline at this point, Ronald Jones, because of the chances he got with the Bucks or the chances he didn't get with the Bucks really. And the the way that Leonard Fournette took over that role, like a role that that was just sitting there waiting for Ronald Jones to to seize he is. He is a bad uh, pass catcher. There's nothing I can not say about that. He's not just a bad pass catcher. He's like an actively yeah. harmful well, one. I, I would say catastrophic. Yeah, he's actively harmful to the team's chances of winning as a pass catcher. And, but but here here's some the, some numbers that I'd like to share with the with the audience here. Maybe some some Rojo truthers will uh will enjoy these. So last season, 
Jones gained 239 rushing yards over expected on inside runs during the regular season. That was the second most in the NFL behind only Derrick Henry, who had 296. When you look at expected points added per rushing attempt, he was second in the league last season. And this is on you know limited usage, but he has proven, honestly, uh, proven efficient time and again uh, in, in the NFL if he can just stabilize and take an early down role, you know, with the chiefs and what, you know, how, uh, how valuable that will be is truly up for consideration in an offense that had the league's highest pass rate over expected last year. So, you know, they're not establishing, but still it would be, uh, it would be nice to get to see Ronald Jones take that role. It would be. And because yeah, he is a guy who he can create some of his own yards. And as we know, not every NFL back can do that, but, you don't even need to really create your own yards when Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback. And that's been a weird thing about the Chiefs the past few years. As we saw with like the two I safeties, they don't have they didn't have a running back that could make teams pay for these looks. Right. Like that's where we saw like where running back does matter. Where like you don't need a superstar running back, but you do need a running back who can actually like when you give them a soft front, like take advantage of it. And the Chiefs just didn't really have that last year and have been just really struggling at running back for two or three years. I mean, the only period of like good running back play, like the past two or three years was like Damian Williams in the Super Bowl run that one postseason. Yeah. Other than that, they, they haven't had like anyone who like does, will just chew up. So he'll chew up what the defense gives him and also create some of his own yards. So it mm-hmm. actually is, I mean, it's like the 50th time we're telling people they can be excited about Ronald Jones, but believe us. This time it's for real, folks. Well, and I, the best thing about Ronald Jones from a fantasy perspective is that he's so reviled, universally hated yeah. by fantasy <laughs> managers that there's no way that his ADP is going to skyrocket. Like people just hate him; they've given up on him. I'm I'm keeping some faith, and I, I think he's in as good a spot as you could hope. No, he is. I think I think the Chiefs view him as like a too high safety solution, and will actually make a defense pay for giving them that soft kind of front. And it's a very intriguing addition. And just the kind of, yeah, a move the team should be making, like the second wave of free agency. Um, so nice move by the Chiefs. And this time it counts for uh, Ronald Jones. <laughs> Colts coach Frank Reich is claiming that new quarterback Matt Ryan Denny will actually throw to Naheem Hines. Yeah. Uh, something Carson Wentz didn't do. And frankly, we didn't want Carson Wentz to do. Like Jonathan Taylor won several fantasy leagues for me last year. So I wasn't really exactly clamoring for more Naheem Hines targets. And I won't be this year either, since John Taylor is such a special player and is a good pass catcher. I don't really understand why he needs like a, a satellite compliment back. But Frank Reich is saying this is going to be a thing. I, after two years ago, I don't know if you wrote this blur, but we pointing out like yeah. how yeah, Hines, what, what, he was third amongst running backs and targets and receptions behind J.D. McKissick and Alvin Kamara in 2020 before falling off last year. So what can we realistically expect? from Naheem Hines with Matt Ryan under center in Indianapolis. Well, I mean, it makes sense if, if you believe that a, the Colts signed Hines to a pretty rich contract extension last offseason if they did that for a reason. And also if you believe that, you know, running back uh, targets and receptions are largely a quarterback stat, we're still looking into that strongly, but uh, <laughs> you know, Carson Wentz, you know, had, had targeted running backs only on, on 9% of his attempts coming into 2021. I, I just try to remember your train of thought. I've already made this point in the podcast, but 
The dude doesn't throw to running backs. He doesn't throw to receivers. We are really trying to find who Carson Wentz actually throws. And, and we still don't know. We we, still we're, don't not... know. we're having our best people, like you said, looking, in, they're looking into it very strongly. Very right. strongly. It's, uh, <laughs> I think the answer is just Zach Ertz. That's the only, <laughs> exactly. That's the only person who's ever seen a target. Well, anyway, sorry. Carson Wentz entered last year. With, yeah. So, uh, so he just, you know, he doesn't throw to running backs. Um, you know, despite that, I guess. Uh, Taylor and Hines combined for uh, well over a hundred targets. Uh, so they have that going for them, but uh, you know, Matt, Matt Ryan is, is a um, cement shoed uh, old Wiley veteran who has a history of dumping it off, you know, as a, as a means of moving the chains, you know, he's not, Matt Ryan is not going to take off out of the pocket. I'm, I'm sure you, you know, this, I'm sure our listeners know this. Uh, and if he does, it probably won't, won't be, won't be great. So, uh, I, I don't know if this means like a this means disaster for Jonathan Taylor. I think that Jonathan Taylor could also benefit from an offense predicated on those kind of short dump offs, along with some downfield shots to Pittman and and Hilton maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I do I'm not writing off Hines as a as a PPR option for sure. Yeah, I do. I just don't understand why. I certainly understand why Naheem Hines would get snaps, maybe like 15 percent of the snaps, but. And I, he's probably a, not probably. I'm sure he's a better pass yeah. catcher by the letter of the law than Jonathan Taylor. But even if he's like a fundamentally, like from a fundamentals standpoint, a better pass catcher than Jonathan Taylor, I still don't know why you wouldn't want these dump offs going to Jonathan Taylor, who's like the quintessential. Anytime he touches the ball, it can be a 70 yard touchdown. So I just don't quite understand why. I mean, maybe it is like the sunk cost fallacy with the contract. Like they're paying this guy. Like they feel like they need to be using him, but. They didn't need to be using him last year. I don't know why all of a sudden they would need to be using him this year when they have what could be the, maybe now is already like the best running yeah. back in the NFL ahead of Derrick Henry. And I, I just don't know. I just don't understand the Colts Naheem and Hines insistence from that perspective. I will say from the Matt Ryan perspective, he badly needed an offensive line upgrade. Mm -hmm. As we know, he's getting that. And then, but offensive line is not going to solve everything. Like you said, when you're cement shoots, so you need outlets. He didn't even have outlets with the Falcons. I mean, Cordero Patterson's not a great checkdown target just because he is not a good he's, – he's never been, like, a very fundamentally sound pass catcher. Mike Davis was totally washed. So it's good from that perspective. I just don't understand from, like, we have the all-world Jonathan Taylor perspective. No, it doesn't – from from that standpoint, it doesn't make much sense. I, I will say that uh, Atlanta's running backs last year, I guess this included CPAT, saw a 25% target share combined uh, in that offense. And, you know, for years we saw Devontae Freeman rack up PPR yes. points. Uh, the He was kind of a cheat code at, some, at, at one point in that Atlanta offense. So Matt Ryan, you know, is among, like Phillip Rivers, like, Phillip, you know, two years ago with the with the Colts, Phillip Rivers fed Naheem Hines. Um, and, it, and it led to, you know, the third most receptions and targets in the league. Yeah, Phil Rivers is that's a quarterback stat running back receptions. Yeah, yeah. He would have fed Rojo. Like even if it, even if it had gotten everyone fired or maybe even killed, he would have fed <laughs> Rojo even. That's how committed he is to passing right. to running backs. So yeah, well it's there's no way there's not gonna be an uptick for Naheem Hines. We right. do like at the very least, there's gonna be an uptick. So yeah, this time this time it counts with Naheem Hines, Denny. Always does. Uh, you told me before the show that you wanted to talk about Jameis Winston as one of the winners from your free agency article. Loser. Uh, yeah, you seemed to be winning that argument until they announced Tuesday morning that Taysom Hill would focus on tight end, and then they went out and signed Andy Dalton. Uh, so he lost one competitor Tuesday morning yeah. and then added another. And Andy, I remember Denny, 
some of the people listening to the show probably remember that you insisted all last summer that Andy Dalton would start for the Bears. Uh, will the same be true for the Saints? No, 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 no. They're, they're, it's it's Jameis's job. I mean, he would have to really flub it in the in the preseason or in training camp for Dalton. We're not going to have a Matt Nagy situation where Dennis Allen, the the coach of the Saints, is going to say, you know, he's my QB one going forward. Like that's not it's not going to happen. He he's he signed as a backup. He might start a game or two if. Jameis maybe maybe struggles my my point in my free agency article talking about Jameis returning to New Orleans is that fantasy wise it's not it's not a good fit it's not a it's it doesn't lead to anything exciting for anyone you know and Jameis Winston was again very inaccurate last year like I tried to find ways to show that his accuracy had improved it hadn't it's just that the the it's just, the Saints had uh, kind of reeled him in from his uh, volatile, more volatile days as the, as Tampa's starting quarterback, and and it and it worked from a real football stance. It 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 worked. I mean, they were on their way probably to the playoffs before his uh, his injury end of the season, the knee injury. So you know he'll he'll be boring again in a boring Saints offense again in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I think Andy Dalton was more kind of like the Ian Book thousand yard stare. It's like kind of like the haunted dead eyes that the entire Saints coaching staff had after watching that Ian book start last year. Like, well, this cannot happen again. And like Trevor Simeon can't happen again. I do think it's probably more about Trevor Simeon and Ian book than Jameis Winston while also thinking that, yeah, I mean, it's not exactly like it's outside the realm of possibilities that Jameis Winston gets a performance based benching for Andy Dalton. Like that could happen. Oh yeah. But yeah, he's the guy with experience in the system. He's the guy with experience with the pass catchers. Um, he is coming back from a torn ACL, but it's yeah. not like it's not like Andy Dalton has strengths that Jameis Winston does. I mean, Andy Dalton is now famed for the crippling interception as well. Yeah, so it's not even like they can put Andy Dalton in as the safe choice. Yeah, um, just to reiterate, you know, something you you mentioned a, a minute ago. There there were reports from the NFL owners meetings this week that you know from Dennis Allen actually from the new coach of the Saints that Taysom Hill will not be a quarterback this year, that he will focus on a full transition to tight end. So we could, we could see Taysom Hill gain back the weight that he lost to try to be the quarterback. He'll still be annoying, I think, for fantasy. But the days, I think that Sean Payton's uh, departure from New Orleans uh, ended Taysom's days as a, a, a potential quarterback there. You want to talk about a ghost that needed to be given up. Taysom yeah. Hill as the quarterback. The guy just, I mean, for his arm, I think it would be fair to uh, characterize his arm as hilariously bad. Like, I've never seen worse deep attempts from a modern quarterback in my life. Maybe from Trey Lance. (laughs) (laughs) Even Trey Lance, though, is like more an accuracy thing. It was like Taysom Hill has zero arm strength. He does not have NFL level arm strength. Like, he doesn't even have like, like off season, like practice squad, like padding the roster type NFL arm strength. He just straight up, like if you were an NFL scout just watching Taysom Hill like at an offseason camp, you're like, well, okay, that guy doesn't have a, an NFL arm. Right. And Denny, it's okay if you know this answer off the top of your head and ruin the joke. But how how old is Taysom Hill gonna turn this August? Do you know? Oh man. I I, I don't know. Uh uh 31. 32. Uh- <laughs> He's always no matter I've never once had someone guess Taysom Hill was older. Than he actually was. It's always young. And they always try to guess old, 
like oh, Taysom. Yeah. He's they're like Taysom's older than you think. I think he's like 27 or 28. Right. I'm like, no, he's 31. And everyone always. I like, tried. I tried to go. I was going old. Yeah. Like I, I thought maybe it could have been 28. To me, his age 32 season. Um. Yeah. Not really sure what Sean Payton. Uh, I think like Sean Payton was like spending like too much time like listening to Jimmy Buffett and like just trying yeah. to come up with crazy ideas. It's and, a, it, there was a lot of galaxy braining with the the Taysom Hill thing. I, and I will say, look, Taysom Hill was was fun. The way the the reasons that I enjoy fantasy football uh, include, you know, Taysom Hill being a quarterback and sometimes eligible to put in the tight end spot. That to me, that that's fun stuff. I appreciate Taysom Hill. Yeah, you were always a Taysom backer, I will say, which goes against type for you. But you were always a Taysom, Taysom yeah. defender. You weren't like a truther. You weren't like saying he was good. No, he's not good. But yeah, you were a defender. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that i mean he's he's one of the rare rare guys who can go into a fourth quarter with four fantasy points and finish with 22 yeah <laughs> you know he's a special uh, skill that's that's amazing and he can also beat teams that start kendall hinton and he can also beat the falcons twice i think he beat the falcons twice in 2020 man what a yeah. gift that keeps on giving the atlanta football falcons we will be right back the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand do you want a beautiful lawn Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The madness is still upon us. Get an Edge Plus annual subscription now to unlock our college basketball DFS and betting tools with game predictions, player prop projections, and more. Get ready to cut down the nets using promo code BRACKETS20. Plus, you will get every tool for every sport with your Edge Plus subscription, including our new fantasy baseball draft guide powered by Rotoworld. I have heard of that website, Rotoworld. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BRACKETS20 at checkout. To find your edge. Hello, Denny. Have you watched any of the NCAA tournament, by the way? Uh, no, I stopped watching when my bracket went to hell. There's no reason to watch after that. Really? You're, you're, you, okay. So you really don't find anything compelling in the NCAA tournament. So by the way, NCAA tournament, this is not like an NBC property that we need to promote. Like, you really don't find anything in the NCAA tournament. Because to me, I mean, I love it still. No, I've I struggle to find the appeal. It's just such bad basketball. It's bad basketball, but it's like 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 heart heart. What's the word? Heart in rending rending. Heart, Is that the uh, heart wrenching? 
No, I think heart rending, isn't it? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, heart rending, yeah, yeah. causing great. Oh, heart rending is causing great sadness or stress. I mean, it, it does right, do well, that. I mean, I, I, I can sort of get it. Here's, here's the thing. I was at someone's house on Saturday when the Houston Villanova game. Villanova. Was, right? All right. So Houston was my last ditch because Houston is the, uh, the analytics darling, and you know, I, I, I went with them to go to the uh, championship game. Anyway, the fact that. Houston uh, didn't have anyone on their team who could shoot beyond four feet I from mean, the basket. It was a bit of a problem. That stinks. <laughs> like, what's what's with that? You don't have anyone who can shoot. Your entire offense is just charging to the basket, like circa Dwayne Wade in 2006, like just hurling your body and just throwing the ball up behind your back and hoping you get a foul. That's the entire Houston offense. They stink. Well, they were returning. I think, believe they had five new starters from last year's Final Four team, and yeah, they did what they lacked in shooting polish. They were trying to make up for it with grit and yeah, heart grit, and defense right, determ- grit. determination. So, no uh, one thing that I would suggest the Houston Cougars do in the off season is work on their shooting. You, you know that that would help. I think in basketball to be able to put the ball through the hoop from a distance outside of four feet. That's just one thought. It is important. Um, I'm upset. I love the NCAA tournament, even though it's not an NBC property. And I've watched almost, including while I was on vacation with my family last week, I had a few like very like cliche, stereotypical dad behaviors. Like I had it up on my phone at one point. (laughs) I made a stop at the hotel bar to watch the end of a game at one point. Really? Yeah. That is big time dad energy. Yes. I was exuding it, exuding it. ESPN's Diana Rossini reported Tuesday that the Chiefs are actively making phone calls to try and trade for another top wide receiver, quote unquote. Uh, Denny, I asked you, like, who this could be DK Metcalf's one of the names that's been out there for a long time. Brandon Cooks. So, first off, do they need to do this after signing Juju Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez Scantling? I'm assuming the answer is yes. Yes, the answer is yes, absolutely. (laughs) What's the lay of the land? Who do we want to see the Chiefs get? Uh, Would DK Metcalf. Would he be a wide receiver one Kansas City? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait for it. No, I think he's like a top. Well, he was barely a wide receiver one last year, though, with Russell Wilson. Oh. Like he oh. was a decent amount of target competition. DK um, Metcalf would be quite intriguing, I think, as the unquestioned wide receiver one. So Nate Taylor from the Athletic, really good Chiefs uh, beat writer, uh, published a piece on Tuesday. I, I suggest everybody check it out. That said that basically Andy Reid. Is, has not been uh, shy about saying, look, for a long time, we were we were actively targeting and signing small, fast players, right? Including Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, and, you know, defenses have figured that out. And we saw that last year where the Chiefs had to transition to this kind of dink and dunk formula in order to get past what defenses were doing to their uh, formerly potent offense. Now the team has uh, shifted toward trying to get big and fast rather than small and fast. So you get Juju, big. MVS, who is shockingly six foot four. He's I didn't large. know that. He's six thought, five. He's very big. I had no clue. He's the smallest six five dude in history. But uh, yeah, and and so Metcalf would would mesh, I think, perfectly with this with this new approach. Oh, and Ronald Jones, big running back, very really big. big running back compared to. McKinnon and and CEH, you know, to... again, who I mean, CEH, thanks for coming on the show. He was like our size in terms of height. 
Um, he was he maybe was short. Taller. He was actually shorter than both of us. So I'm not I'm not a tall guy, and uh, <laughs> Ceh was shorter than me at the Super Bowl. I, I mean, look, I'm not nothing against Ceh was the single nicest person I met at the Super Bowl, including Pat. So, uh, you know, uh, no, nothing nothing against him. But they're trying to get bigger. Metcalf would go perfectly with this with this shift in philosophy. Yeah, would there? I just I mean, I guess that was I actually that was probably a dumb question. Would he be a wide receiver one? But he did struggle to be a wide receiver one last year. And like I me, mean, Travis Kelsey is still going to be like the alpha target. I mean, Juju Smith is kind of famous for being a target vacuum too. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marcos Valdez Scanling is not famous for being a target hog, no. although he was more of a target commander last year than he had ever been before. I yeah, I guess he. I yeah, I mean, there's no way he wouldn't be a big play based wide receiver one. Oh. He might still only get like eight targets a game. But like he's the kind of player where he he can be a big play based wide receiver mm-hmm. one. He doesn't need to be a volume based wide receiver one. So uh, in my wide receiver year in review piece on the site, um, I, I mentioned that all of Metcalf's peripheral numbers stayed reasonably the same, uh, like like almost shockingly the same at, in a horrible 2021 season, in which you know part of the season Metcalf wasn't even fantasy viable in 12 team leagues. Okay, like I and I get that, and it was frustrating, but nothing points to him like falling off the face of the earth. And I, I think he would be tremendous in the KC offense. No. Yeah. I mean, he's still like an extraordinarily talented player. And it was, I think I was just speaking more from like circumstance yeah, yeah. than I was like a DK Metcalf, like talent, man, he had a weird year last year. He did. He did. It's a really, really weird year. Remember when he caught that long touchdown and like the first play of the game from Geno Smith. Uh, I do. I ever, because I needed like one more catch oh. to win a matchup. And I, and, but I knew, so I think it was literally an 80 yard touchdown. It was either 75 or 80 yards. I can't remember. And I'm like, well, I'm like, I know. So like the Seahawks offense was performing horribly at yeah. this point. And so I, even after the 75 yard touchdown, I think I needed like literally 1.1 more PPR points. I knew that it wasn't taken. I knew that I couldn't assume that how poorly they were playing, but I, in my house, like, you know, come on, like, it's going like, to like catch another ball. And then I think it took to like, the dying seconds of the game. Yes. He finally caught another, and I was about to lose my matchup when all I needed was like two catches and 80 yards. And he got a 75 yard touchdown. Like it was one of my worst fantasy sweats I've ever had. Yeah. He had two catches for 96 yards in this game in week seven against the saints. And I waited. I've never waited longer for a second catch than I did that. night. I remember I I had him rostered in, in DFS that day and he, he caught it. I was like, okay, well, I made the right call. I'm going to make on a lot. Of, I'm going to make way. all the money. Yeah. On my nope. way, folks. <laughs> yeah, not how it worked with either the Saints or the Seahawks in no. 2021. Uh, Brandon Cooks, by the way, any thoughts on a Brandon? I mean, is that even a thing? Has anyone like rumored that? Um, yeah, there were there was some scuttlebutt on uh, among beat writers uh, that Brandon Cooks might be available. So the 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 idea is that the draft capital that Kansas city acquired in exchange for Tyreek Hill will be used now to, they'll flip that for a a, a Metcalf, maybe a Brandon cooks. Brandon cooks would not align with this new philosophical shift to bigger guys, you know, Brandon cooks being the opposite of big. So um, I, I think the Metcalf is, is a real possibility, but the Seahawks would really have to be entering like, a complete uh, teardown situation for, for that to happen. Yeah. There's one thing Pete Carroll is good at it's denial. Um, yeah. So I'm surprised they ev- even gave up on Russell Wilson 
But Pete Carroll's very good at being in denial. And Pete Carroll was asked at the owners' meetings, you know, what about extending uh, Metcalf? And he is just very vague. Uh, we love DK. We want him on our team. He's someone who I would love to have. Things like that. And you're you, you want him to marry it. your daughter. I mean, I'm sure you threw <laughs> that Not that again. Mm-hmm. You, you 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 read the quotes and you go there. There's there's something there's something not right about this Metcalf Seattle situation. There is something very odd there. Uh, probably that he's playing with Drew Locke and is not happy about uh, it. They can't do that to him, right? They can't do that. Uh, the Drew Locke chatter seems alarmingly real, is all I'll say. Um, alarmingly uh, well, Pete, real. Pete Carroll said, quote, it's all upside with Drew Locke. I mean, that's what he said today. It's hard to see how it could get worse. So, from that perspective, it is upside. Oh, God. That's what he meant. You're right. That is what he meant. Uh, Oh, man. (laughs) Denny, the Dolphins admitted Monday that they're listening to trade offers for Devontae Parker. He is not a Kyle Shanahan type receiver, as a guy who like catches it on the sideline and then it's kind of that's where, where he lays. Uh, he's not really, he's not a yak guy, right? He's oh, never, God, no. Yes, he's never been a yak guy, right? <laughs> no. Like, uh, Devontae Parker is like the ultimate catch and fall big receiver. And they, the Dolphins have a wide receiver glut following the Tyreek Hill edition. They need to trade Devontae Parker, maybe just eventually release him. Is there anywhere that would actually be an exciting landing spot for Devontae Parker? Like, there was the Green Bay Packers. Like, is there anywhere we could get excited about Devontae Parker? Oh, man. Uh, they, that. That would be difficult. I guess Kansas City is one. Yeah. Um, big folks, he's your guy. And, uh, you know, well, one person we haven't mentioned with the Kansas City situation is Josh Gordon. I know Gordon is 31, 32 years old or whatever, but, like, he's still on the roster. Is he he's still on big, the roster? He's a big guy, you know. Sure about that that? Is he still on the roster? I'm not uh, now, that, now that you say it, no, I'm not sure. But uh, mm-hmm. but I said it anyway. Uh, I mean, we, we still have him on the roster. Yeah, he signed a reserve future deal, so he's on the roster. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I was looking up uh, Devontae Parker's yards after catch average, and apparently it's so low that I can't. I yeah, can't he, he's <laughs> he's he's famously not yak, but he is wow. famously like he'll catch you 18 yards down the field. Every, he'll he'll get you like no more, no less. He's that yeah. kind of guy. Okay, he, here it is. Here I just found it. Uh, Devontae Parker 2.7 yard uh, yak per reception, right? Um, that's in line with uh, Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, and Rashad Higgins. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he is that kind of player. I mean, Rashad Higgins, wow, talk about down bad. He's supposed to be a slot guy. You got to have more yak than that, man. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and so there's like nowhere. Devontae yeah. Parker just like, like his legs might just be gone. Yeah, he he's a he's an old young guy for sure. He is. He's had so many lower body injuries the past two years. Just like an extraordinary amount. He's basically had one good half season his entire career. Oh, yeah. The second right. half of the 2019 season. He's never even been above 800 yards in any other season. Um, Green Bay Packers. I mean, man, what the heck are the Packers doing at receiver? Yikes, I man. just don't even know. Well, Matt LaFleur said on Tuesday we need to add speed to the receiver room. I took that to maybe mean Will Fuller, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. It's weird. They had so many chances to acquire Will Fuller and have never done it. Yeah, maybe they're just waiting for his price to totally collapse, or they could do that weird thing that the Packers never do and draft a receiver. They will be drafting a receiver, but they also need to be signing a receiver. Um, yeah, they do. They need to be doing lots of things. Their their receiver room is super sad. I mean, it, to to the to the point where it's like, uh, is Aaron Rodgers like draftable as a top ten quarterback? Yeah, it's kind of real bad. But yeah, Devontae Parker's about to turn twenty nine. 
Oh man, uh, that's not. I thought he was younger than. That. No, there's there's not a lot going on there. Oof. You, I mean, I'm just looking at these teams. I just don't see anywhere where you'd see a big boot other than Green Bay. Maybe. Well, he would have to. He'd have to fall into like a perfect situation where he's in a functional offense that is like desperate for uh, for someone who could to command targets. Maybe I mean, Arizona. I mean, oh yeah, you know what? That that might work. Arizona or Green Bay are the two I see. It's like scrolling through the teams that might make a bit of sense. I mean, the Atlanta yeah. Falcons uh, could use a receiver or nine. They got, they got Auden Tate, who's probably the better version of He Devontae. actually probably is better than Devontae at this point. Um, so yeah, anyways, Devontae Parker, we're not too excited. Uh, you are excited about Albert O. And I feel like this oh, has yeah. been a thing now for a while. New Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett has claimed he wants to use Albert O as a quote-unquote hybrid Tight end receiver in the team's offense this season. Noah Fant is gone. Russell Wilson likes to target tight ends. I will caution as a Mizzou alum who saw a lot of Albert O college football, he guy has been something of injury prone. We don't right. know if it's actually a real thing or not, but he seems to get hurt a lot. But Danny, how excited are yeah. we about Albert O? Yeah. Uh, you know, Hackett said, first of all, I believe it was unprompted. He said, it, it, uh, we're going to treat him as a hybrid receiver tight end. We're excited to get the ball in his hands. Um, and then, you know, I, I looked into Alberto's peripherals a little bit from last year and, you know, it wasn't fantastic. He only saw 40 targets all season. Uh, and that included games where Noah Fant wasn't playing. So that's not it's still fantastic. more than you would expect for a tight end where you had zero expectations for them heading into the season. Like right. 40 t- targets. That is still while low, like a noteworthy number for someone who, I mean, there was no reason right. for him to get 40 targets other than they thought he was really good. But he he has shown some ability to command targets, which is always important for, well, for any pass catcher, but, but especially tight ends. He had a 24% target per route run rate last year, which is in line with Dallas Goddard, uh, with uh, Travis Kelsey. I'm not I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey, but I am saying you that. You just said it. On... <laughs> You're hammering Albert o over Kelsey this year. <laughs> um, but, you know, he only ran 166 pass routes. He, but he saw a, a, a hundred. He saw a 24 percent target per route rate. Uh, and, and that's and that is sometimes a signal to say if this guy gets more opportunity, more pass catching route running opportunity, it could lead to very good things. This is how, you know, we spotted Pat Corain spotted Darren Waller before his breakout by by pointing to this stat. So it's something worth worth paying attention to this offseason. I mean, Albert O reminds me of another former Mizzou great, Denario Alexander, where if he could just oh, ever stay healthy, man. like Albert O does have like just a ridiculous mm. like uh, like overall package of athletic and like pass catching traits. So if he stays healthy, he could be like a special fantasy player. Well, and I, and I guess we buried the lead here in saying that Russell Wilson is now his quarterback, not Drew yeah. Locke. Yeah, so that, that helps. Hey, speaking of Mizzou greats, Drew Locke. <laughs> Your, your Mizzou is down bad. Yeah, we are uh, quite. We got a new basketball coach, though. Um, oh, there you go. Duco recruits. It's looking really nice. Um, but while we were talking, Rivers McCown slacked me where the Falcon social media team is tweeting out Auden, Shade, Auden Tate highlights. And yeah. I'm talking about down bad. I mean, Auden Tate is, could be a good NFL player, but they tweeted, sheesh, Auden Tate with the scream emoji. And like maybe just uh, don't don't oversell Auden Tate. So the, the Falcons fans have suffered enough. And, Man, uh, that I saw that and I watched the highlight, thinking, "Oh, this is probably great." And it was a fine catch. 
Like I mean, it's it, fine. Yeah, it was a it was a fine. Here's here's what I took away from that highlight. And you got if if listeners are wondering what we're doing, you got to you got to look on the Falcons social media. Uh, the Falcons are doing their best. Okay, what they did is they had a a highlight from Auden Tate catching a a high throw from I believe Andy Dalton two years ago, um, in which he you know he used his six foot six frame to 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 nab it out of the air. He fell and hurt his shoulder. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the, 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 the greatest odd and Tate highlight that they could have found, but apparently it was no. Yeah. I just watched it and I, like the audio was playing very loudly in my ear while you were talking and it was Andy Dalton. The Rams still had not changed uniforms. Uh, so that's not good. The NFL 100 logos on the field. The hundredth anniversary season was two years ago. Just, uh, I don't know, man, maybe just maybe, maybe keep that one in the drafts. Was all yeah, I'll say. Man. To yeah. the Falcons social media team. Uh, Denny, you wrote an article about free agency winners and losers for NBCSportsEdge.com last week. We've already talked about most of these, the free agent winners and losers in our various podcasts over yeah. the past few weeks, but we wanted to talk about three people. One of them was Jameis Winston. We've already talked about Winston, but we wanted to talk about Rashad Penny and David Njoku. I, I agree. I mean, Rashad Penny, a huge, like, this is what he needed to do. He needed to remain in the system, he needed to remain in a team that was going to be clearly run first. So do you share some optimism for Rashad Penny? I I take no pleasure in reporting. I put Rashad Penny in the losers category. I'm sad. I was trying to build that up into a winner. I'm sorry, man, but uh, anyone who signs signs with the Seahawks is down bad this year. I mean, this stinks. You know, Chris Carson is is probably going to be back. I keep forgetting about that guy. Man, the team loves him. They love Chris Carson. They're going to give him the starting role. Rashad Penny's going to see six carries a game. It's going to stink. Until oh, Chris he's not going to get six carries a game. But uh, uh, he's proven, I think, that he needs to be like the fe- – he he lends credence to like the notion that there are some backs that truly do need workloads to be effective. Like Derrick Henry, kind of like he's the classic give him 15 carries. He's going to gain 10-plus yards on at least two of them. Yeah. And oftentimes 20 or 30-plus yards. You give him six or seven – he could very easily just have like seven carries for 11 yards. Like he's a guy you give a chance to hit home runs. And yeah, he's not a commit. He's not good at like sharing the early down workload. Yeah. I mean, you know, but you, you have a Seahawks offense that averaged the fewest plays, offensive plays per game last year. Um, the They had the 12th lowest pass rate of 57%. Even when they were trailing, they had a, a low pass rate of 62%. Uh, so I, with 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 Drew Locke or whoever, maybe Geno Smith. Geno Smith is a legit contender. If they resign yeah, him, he's a man. legit contender to start for the Seahawks in the year of our Lord 2022. And no, and um, this is the. I just feel like no one, even Rashad Penny, who who was spectacular, he was the best running back in the NFL last year in the final six weeks. And there's no there's no argument about that. It's just a fact. Um, even he can't succeed in that sort of system in that sort of environment. I will say I will like differ a little on Rashad Penny where the guy has had so many injuries, has had so many career variables. He didn't strike me as someone where it would have been particularly great for him to like start over. And now, I mean, this is a, an offense that's always been run based and will now like un, unequivocally be run based. Like they're yeah. going to be as committed to the run as we've ever seen Pete Carroll committed to the run, <laughs> which is hard to believe. I don't think it's awful from that perspective. Chris Carson too. I mean, is also like a major variable. I mean, we have, we really don't know if he'll like ever even play football again. He's trending the right direction with his neck injury, but it's not like taken for granted yet. 
And I, I, I don't think so it would have been nice, I guess, to see a player this explosive with this big playability end up like a, a more modern, like big play offense. Yeah. But I, I don't think it was the worst outcome in the world for Rashad Penny. I will say that. I also oh. totally understand your points, like that the offensive environment just might be so bad that it doesn't matter. I personally was really hoping that the Dolphins would show some interest in Rashad Penny. That would have been cool. That would have definitely been cool. Um, but yeah, they instead this Raheem Mostert and yeah. Chase Edmonds, man. There's no way. I mean, Chase Edmonds' workload is not going to increase like at all. And he's not no going to be the goalie. Way. It's going to be the same thing from last Zero year. Zero chance. Um, is David Njoku a winner or a loser, Denny? He, oh, he's a winner. He is a winner uh, in life and in free agency. Um, you know, the only thing really holding him back was this weird three-way split that the Browns have deployed at tight end over the past two seasons. Um, no one uses two tight ends on offense more than the Browns. So you're still going to see, I, you know, I believe you're still going to see Njoku and uh, Harrison Bryant play a good amount of, of snaps and, and run a good amount of, of routes. But with Austin Hooper finally out of the picture, it really opens things up for Njoku. And of course he gets the quarterback upgrade with, with uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, uh, Watson has never been one to target tight ends too heavily, um, but he, he has, you know, uh, kind of led offenses with some productive uh, tight ends. It, it, long, long time ago in 2020, um, the, uh, the Texans tight end, whose name escapes me at the moment. Yeah. The guy, the, you know, that dude, Brendan <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Aikens, uh, Aiken. Dan Fells. A Aikens, yes. Jordan Aikens had uh, 200 receiving yards and 15 catches in the season's first four weeks before an injury. This is your God? The, right. <laughs> so, serious? So, so if Njoku's, uh, I wrote in the piece, if Njoku's route participation jumps from its current 50% rate thereabouts, to like 70 to 75%, which is not a ton to ask, honestly, with Hooper leaving Cleveland. I think he'll have every chance to be an every week starter in fantasy. I will say, you said the only thing holding David Njoku back was the three tight ends. David Njoku has also held David Njoku back over the years. Where right. he is, he's just, he's classic, like so, 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 so mistake prone. And like anytime <laughs> his role got expanded, he would do something like, I don't know why David Njoku just handed the ball to the safety in the end zone. So that was weird. But uh, now the Steelers have it at the 20 yard uh, line for some reason. I and he has been that kind of player throughout his career. He's, man, how the heck is he only 26? He's going to be I, 26. Is, I, like, I know. He's I know. only had one 500 yard season ever. He's a strange player. There are a lot of numbers that point to him being good. And Joku. Last year was ninth in yards per route run among tight ends. That was ahead of guys like TJ Hawkinson, Hunter Henry, and Mike Gusecki. I, 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 re I really think that, that you know, Njoku eventually, or if, he, if he's not already, will be the reason people kind of walk around muttering, oh, tight ends deep this year, tight ends deep this year. <laughs> it's not going to be true, but, but he, you know, he's a, a nice case study in how it could be deep. I'm going to, I'm going to, about two thirds of the time you were talking, I was trying to remember in my head, which team Austin Hooper is on now, but has he actually even signed with anybody? I didn't want yeah. to look it up and spoil it. So who's, who's he on? Cause I was yeah. like, I got to try to remember that. And I just, I don't even, I don't even know who he's on now. He is playing for the Tennessee Titans. And I believe he will see fewer than 12 targets this year. <laughs> no, no boy. It's about down bad. The Ferk daddy, man, that's the dreams. Oh, there. Man. 
they let me tell you the Titans coaches near the end of last year didn't hold back with Ferk Daddy. No. They they said this 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 didn't work out and we are moving on. Yeah, didn't this guy go to Harvard? Yeah, um, you think he'd figure it out? Yeah, smart. I thought he was smart. Um, Come on. Hey, Austin Hooper went to Stanford. Um, so yeah. yeah, Austin Hooper. I mean, man, what the heck was that all about? Thirty eight catches last year. Um, so well, I would have you could have given me 10 guesses and I wouldn't have guessed the Titans, by the way. I couldn't I, remember where he signed. Yeah, listen, Austin Hooper, like we I would recommend him, of course, when Njoku was out, when Harrison Bryant was struggling with injuries, and he would run like the most routes of any tight end that week and catch three balls. One of them was a touchdown, thank God. <laughs> but yeah, Austin Hooper is, you know, like Austin, if you're listening, I'm sorry. A little, it's you know he's washed. He's, he's completely, completely washed. He had 787 yards his final season in Atlanta. Then he had 780 in two years in Cleveland. Um, and this was a team that had was desperate for targets. Like they desperate, they want they wanted him like the Browns wanted Austin Hooper to be a thing so badly for years. And yeah, that's uh. So yeah, R.I.P. to the Ferk Daddy though. And who who was the other tight end? That man, it's already Jeff Swaim. Oh yeah, Swaim with the G. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff Swaim, folks. See what I'm looking him up. Is he still? I can't remember. I think he was oh, a free agent. Um, they they resigned them. Look, we're uh, at the Jeff Swaim Truther Club. We are happy that he resigned yeah, with our he, Tennessee he, Titans. He resigned early in the legal tampering period, so they're high on him. They um, they love him. They love him. look they. They love his blocking, and you know, unfortunately, he is a good blocker. Austin Hooper, not a good blocker. Yeah, even though, even though Mike Vrabel did say we love Austin Hooper's blocking. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> and there our show goes. We are over for today. A lot to talk about. There's just always a lot to talk about in this NFL. Oh yeah. You wake up not having any clue what you're talking. I actually said we were talking about the Patriots, and we never did. That's okay. Uh, there's there's too much. We as long as long as we got Rojo in, that's that's all I can. I, I mentioned the Patriots in the intro to the podcast. <laughs> uh, Whoops. Yeah, they're bad now. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, they're still they're still going ten and seven though. It, it, what we were gonna say is Matt Patricia is the de facto offensive coordinator, and that can't be good. No, my God, what, what is going on there, man? It, it's it's to the point with Bill Belichick, where too it it's been so like. Inex- nonsensical, inexplicable disaster. Just like not signing anybody, letting everyone—that's that, not true. They haven't signed anybody. Like letting coaching and player talent go out the door and doing nothing. That you just feel like like it's a trap somehow. Like he's just like springing a trap in some and, way. And, and bringing, not, back, but... bringing back Joe Judge. Lit, 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 this is not a bit, folks. Joe Judge to work with the quarterbacks. This is this is not a bit. This is the this is Joe Judge who famously ran two quarterback sneaks on 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 second and third downs last year. Uh, it's just it's just tremendous galaxy braining by by Belichick. I, I don't I don't see it working out. I'll tell you, it's not a bit. It's a trap. It's a trap of some sort, and they're going thirteen and four. Oh, stop. <laughs> wait, no, no, this is it. This is the year. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't believe it. This is the year it collapses. I I I truly believe that. Well, it seems like even he thinks it's the year it's collapsed. Like it seems like he's looking beyond 2022, and it's just like that he didn't value any of these players to let go that highly. But he didn't want to pay them. But the replacements aren't out there, so it almost does seem like there's kind of like punting on 2022. Well, look, their their tight end gambit from last year didn't work. Okay. Mac Jones is not a difference-making quarterback. Like that's very. Well, I mean, hold hold on. 
hold on. He's I mean, not. He's not a difference maker. But I mean, you can't totally dismiss. He's he, just a guy. He, the, the criticism for Mac Jones might be that he's already near his ceiling. But like, if your ceiling involves making the playoffs as a rookie, like you can't just be like totally dismissed. Uh, oh man, I I let me tell you, my my urge my urge to uh, dismiss is strong. I mean, it's understandable, but <laughs> he might already be at his ceiling. Is the thing with Mac Jones? Yeah. But anyways, okay, now the show's actually over. Um, thank you for listening today. Listen later this week, Patrick Crane. We'll be back with some great guests. I believe Ryan McDowell. Uh, hopefully that's actually true. Like not like our Patriots thing and like Ryan McDowell's on the show, but Crane will be back later in the week. Check out our show from Monday with Matt Straub, Kyle Dvorak, and Zach Kruger. Uh, for Denny Carter, I am Patrick Darty. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.